In an essay in the Choral Journal titled Spirituals, Music of the Soil and the Soul, Eileen Grunther has chosen these words of American sociologist W.E.B. Du Bois as an epigraph to set the tone. Through all the sorrow of the sorrow songs, there breathes a hope, a faith in the ultimate justice of things. The minor cadences of despair change often to triumph and calm confidence. Sometimes it is faith in life, sometimes a faith in death sometimes assurance of boundless justice in some fair world beyond. But whichever it is, the meaning is always clear, that sometime, somewhere, men will judge men by their souls and not by their skins. Words of W.E.B. Du Bois. Eileen Gunther then asks why write about the spirituals and slavery because, she says, spirituals are among the most powerful music ever created. Spirituals are also universal. They apply to situations well outside of slavery. As psychologist and musician Arthur Jones writes, spirituals are available to all persons who are prepared to open themselves to the unsettling healing power that inhabits these marvelous songs of life. They come out of slavery indisputably, deeply meaningful, archetypically human experiences, relevant not only to the specific circumstances of slavery, but also to women and men struggling with issues of justice, freedom, and spiritual wholeness in all times and places. Indeed, they transcend their original circumstances and are sources of wisdom and guidance in addressing current societal and psychological issues. Gunther continues, I remember a student who started to cry as we were rehearsing the spiritual, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. When I asked him why he was crying, he said he had just come out to his family and had been told that he was consequently not welcome home at Christmas. At that moment, he truly felt like a motherless child. A recent study of older African Americans led by Jill B. Hamilton of the University of North Carolina showed that at the other end of the age spectrum, individuals not only found their feelings mirrored in the music, but that, like the creators of the spirituals, song was a coping strategy for participants experiencing stressful life events who described feelings of being comforted, strengthened, able to endure, uplifted, and able to find peace. There is a beauty and genius in these musical products of an enslaved community's struggle with the vital human issues of life and death, hope and despair, slavery and freedom. While focusing on the text helps identify themes and specific subjects, it takes the combination of melody and words to enable the full power of the spiritual to come through, and it takes both to deliver the insight and healing that can transform a hurting world. Words of Eileen Gunther in an essay in 2017 titled Spirituals, 
music of the soil and the soul. Matthew Rupsich is music director and conductor of the Arcadia Chorale, and he's experienced personally the power of spirituals in his life. And he believes that extending the reach of spirituals to music-loving audiences can ultimately touch listeners in a deep way. At the same time, Rupsich contends that it's critical to remember always the roots of these songs in slavery and that the beauty of spirituals not be appropriated in a way that diminishes the experiences of the community from which they were born. The Arcadia Chorale will present a program titled Spirituals in Concert in Scranton and Wilkes-Barre this weekend. Matthew Rupsich paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk about the music and the Arcadia Chorale itself. The Arcadia Chorale is Northeast Pennsylvania's premier vocal ensemble here. It's been in existence for about 40 years, and we are a mixed chorus, SATB chorus, that uh, has a concert series, performance series for the whole sort of academic year from September through June. And we perform about 10 concerts throughout that season. We perform locally in the area. We perform in Scranton as well as in Wilkes-Barre. And the context of our season, we always have an October program. We have a Christmas program. We have the annual Messiah sing-along here in, in coordination and support with WVIA. And then we host the Northeast Pennsylvania uh, Bach Festival that happens in March. Following that, we do a lighter concert in the spring, a pops concert in the spring. And something that I initiated about two years ago, we do a summer sing. That happens in June, typically the third weekend in June, and where we invite local singers to come and sing with us. We're an eclectic group. We have uh, singers from all across this region, and I'm very uh, pleased. They're, they're, they're a great ensemble. I'm lucky to conduct them. You have a great sensibility musically. You have such a wonderful gift of working with a chorus and stretching them and helping them grow and us as audiences grow because of the programming that you engage in. But also you are socially conscious, not that that's your goal, but you're also aware of the role that music plays in a culture or in a society. And perhaps there's something to that with this October concert. Um, yes, it's interesting. My thought process of having this program, actually the, the concept came to me, I was thinking about this the other day. In March of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I was in Rochester, New York um, for the Eastern Conference of the American Choral Directors Association. Whenever there's a conference, they usually have, besides workshops and group performances, they do some sort of a religious kind of focus of music. And this particular year, if I'm correct, they did a special uh, focusing on Eileen Gunther's book, which is in their own words, Slave Life and the Power of Spirituals. And she brought in a, a professional black chorus to sing these spirituals, connect it to her writing and, and speaking about it. And it was very moving. And I said, I'm going to do this one day. I need to do this one day. Through my experiences in conducting with the Arcadia Chorale, some of my singers actually came up to me and said, when are we doing a spirituals concert? So I thought that was interesting too, because I feel that's in my background, which we could talk a little bit about later. So I wanted to find a space where I could do a, a concert focusing on spirituals with singers like the Arcadia Chorale, these very talented, very gifted singers. 
and to give them a different experience of focusing on um, this kind of repertoire. Considering my work and uh, when I program, as well as where I think where I could push my singers, as well as push our audience to experience new things, I, I selected to do this this year. And, you know, singing spirituals can be, I will say, intimidating. How do we do that? How do we do that appropriately? How do we do that so that we, we feel that as, I'll say, an all-white group, how do we make this happen where we are respectful, where we are supportive, and when we could be authentic in our experience uh, when we do this? And so I, I think through my, my own education, my own upbringing, I'm able to bring all of that together and you know, conduct this concert that's coming up this weekend. Did Eileen Gunther have questions about that at the conference? Did people approach her about that? Not at all. Because what was interesting is what we focused on was the music. And when you focus on the music and the stories that spirituals tell, that's what makes it true and authentic. If we start maybe talk about interpretations or what I feel and, and those kinds of tangent emotions, then you sort of lose sight of the real message. And so as people will see in my program notes, you know, we need to talk about where spirituals come from. Spirituals come from this oral tradition from our black and brown brothers and sisters who suffered terribly, suffered terribly uh, in, in the hands of white folks. And they use spirituals to help give them hope, solace, comfort, as well as to bring a reality to them that they are truly in this situation. And they, they were able to express that reality through song. And so when we focus on the stories, when we focus on this oral tradition coming to us, then we could become more authentic and lift up and honor and raise, raise our, our black and brown uh, brothers and sisters because of this experience. And I think that's, I think that's very important. So for me, you know, when I uh, am working with a, with a chorus, this is all, as one would know, all religious music. 99% of the music is all um, sacred. And I'm not here as a conductor to, to preach, to have people experience in this concert, uh, to experience Jesus or to experience God. That's not my intent. My intent is sort of to give a historical reflection of this music and you know people's faith are, are their own that's their own business and i will never question that i'll always support it but i'll never question it you know everyone's has their own journey but what i try to bring in to this is the drama that's involved with these spirituals because that's how we become more true and we might have a tendency to lump all spirituals together but there's a great variety of spirituals different motivations, different times, different instrumentation or vocal arrangements. You know, there are, let's say, call and responses kind of type of spirituals. There are spirituals that are through composed. And mostly what spirituals do, again, is this idea of stories, that they tell stories of comfort. We could tell stories of solace, uh, being solace. We could tell stories of the hidden meanings of spirituals, where they were actually telling words and uh, the pathways to escape to escape the South, to come to the North. And regarding voicing, it could be as simple as, you know, it might be a all-female or soprano alto number. It could be an all-male number, tenor and bass number. And so there, there is a wide range. And 
I think that that wide range also tells us about the wide range of experiences that our black and brown ancestors had. And it's our duty to lift that up. And where did you go to find the spirituals you ultimately chose? So uh, luckily for me, growing up, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. And in the, I was born in 68. In the 70s, unfortunately, the Chicago riots were, were getting underway. And my parents decided to move to the south suburbs. So in my high school years, I was fortunate enough to have an African-American choir director. His name is Sterling Culp. And in the Midwest system, high school was sophomore through senior year. Uh, during my time there, I was singing in the concert choir of the schools. We had a, a large show choir program, and I was also singing with the Chicago Symphony Chorus at that time. Sterling, Mr. Culp, always gave one concert a year with his, with his church choir. So his church choir, he was at the New Faith Baptist Church in a south suburb of Chicago. I asked if I could go. He said, sure. I brought my parents. It was probably one of the most moving experiences I've ever had as a youngster, and I will even say to this day. During this time, it was very formidable to me with my musical experiences. I was taking private voice, private piano, private saxophone, singing, and all these groups. And after seeing this concert, the next day in school, I literally asked him, can I come and join his choir? And he was quite hesitant because he knew my family, conservative family, Catholic family, and he didn't want to interfere with my, you know, upbringing. He said, you know, check in with your parents. And my my parents knew uh, Mr. Culp well. And they said, as long as I go to the the Saturday evening guitar mass, I could go sing with Sterling. So during that time, I sang for two years with them. And I was the only white kid in an all-black church choir. It was incredible. It was magical. I, I learned so much about black culture. I learned a lot about this style of singing that I think is unique to only black churches. And this is a long answer to your question about repertoire, but what was phenomenal about that experience is when I left to go to college, when I left to go to Peabody Conservatory, I will never forget that they handed me a trunk full of all the repertoire that we sang. And I brought that to school with me and I still have that trunk to this day. So some of that repertoire we sang. I, I brought some pieces that I sang for this concert uh, with Arcadia. And, um, you know, through my experiences, I think because of, of having the authentic experience singing in, in, in a Black church, that I've always done this repertoire with any of my groups for 30 years. And so the repertoire that we're singing that I think is really important is we're doing arrangements by Moses Hogan, Harry T. Brule, and also William Dawson. They are pillars in the uh, world of bringing this oral tradition and writing it down. So there's a, a huge amount of repertoire from just these, these three gentlemen. And then what I would like to say is now we have more contemporary arrangers and composers, such as David Moreau, Glenn Berlay, Brian Smith, as well as a Rollo Dilworth. I think it's important to highlight Rollo Dilworth. He is the vice dean at the music school at Temple University. Tom Trenny, as well as Howard Levy, and of course the duo of Paul Caldwell and Sean Ivory. These individuals are now taking the reins from these earlier three gentlemen that I mentioned and still writing down these oral traditions and making these incredible arrangements. And so I'm, so I'm bringing a, a history that we've had from these three individuals and as well as some contemporary arrangers uh, to this program. And what are the singers telling you? <laughs> um, 
It's interesting. We we've been working really hard, and this is our first concert of our our season. And so, what are they telling me right now? They're telling me this is kind of hard. We had our first dress rehearsal this past、uh, Monday, and I shared with them I, what they have, I think, experienced in that rehearsal is the stamina one needs to have to maintain this a program like this.、Um, so, of course, I'm talking to them about staying healthy and being and making sure they're okay. They're telling me that they're really enjoying the music. They're telling me that this is、uh, a stretch for them. Uh, they're telling me that they've never been sort of in an experience putting a whole program together just on spirituals. So I think that's different for them too. They're also telling me that they want to be respectful, that they want to be true to this tradition. And so we have had small conversations about how to do that well, because we don't want to be considered that we're imitating. We don't want to be considered that we're. Uh, we're not doing this, and we would never do this. But making fun,、uh, you know, we would never do that. But I think that because of my experience growing up singing in an all-black church choir, I feel very comfortable having this conversation with them and letting them letting them be uncomfortable, and then working through it. Because what we're trying, we're, we're living, we're elevating this oral tradition. We're elevating our black and brown people and their history. And their experiences, so that we can continue to learn, to love, to respect, and then maybe educate ourselves because we're always learning, as well as educate our audience into this great wealth of repertoire and performance practice. And that's a little of what Antony Dvorak did when he came to work at the New York Conservatory and was known for urging American composers. Look what's here.、Mm-hmm. Look at what you have.、Um, exactly. You know, if if we if we only stay in our wheelhouse, we won't grow. We won't learn. We won't grow as musicians. We won't grow as singers. And it's important that you know we have individuals in our in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our churches, in our public offices, and and who are public figures who want to take away. And not not recognize the hardships of of people of our black and brown brothers and sisters, and I think it's important that as a music director、uh, and a person of privilege and in a person of power that I have to use that privilege to educate, to lift up, to support, to create experiences for others, so that we can learn about ourselves, learn about others, and and try to be more. Honest, more real, and and then hopefully more you know friendly and loving to people who are unlike ourselves. And I hope that this concert does a little bit for us and for that community. One of the senses that we get if we've been to concerts of spirituals is the bodily nature. The music is rooted in the body, and audiences begin to sway and. People begin to clap. That's part of it, isn't it? Absolutely. And、uh, you know, you mentioned、uh, what are the singers telling me? I think that physicality of the music is difficult for folks who have not been in those experiences. And I think we're struggling、uh, with that a little bit. I would say those are my words more so than their words. But what I am asking them to be more expressive. I am asking them to feel that, feel the music. Feel that phrase. Feel that rise when when this one particular song that we're singing, "Born to Die," 
great piece, but they're singing these melismas together. The whole chorus is singing these melismas together, these 16th note melismas, and I think they're for three beats, so there's 12 notes. And it's down in the lower part of the range to the upper part of the range. And how to sing that from singing darker vowels for the darker range, and as you grow, uh, as you ascend, that the vowels should become brighter. Very stylistically, very appropriate for this repertoire. And they're doing it. And so what does that mean physically? So how do you, how do, you do that physically? So I'm asking them to move. I'm asking them to not just not just be a, a you know a very good choir and being expressive with their tone but challenging them to open and to be receptive to how the music speaks to them and then how they respond vocally as well as musically that it's okay and and it's interesting that I say that term because in my program notes I ask basically three things of the audience is one to take time to really reflect upon where spirituals come from. In many ways, I think people have a stereotype that spirituals are fun, they're uplifting, and they're, they're great. And they, they, uh, and they get their own emotions going. However, what they forget about is where they actually come from. And where it comes from a, a space, a mindset of pain and suffering and intolerance. Uh, and I think so we can't forget that. So I asked my audience, the first thing is to remember specifically where spirituals come from. And, and I also say that that may be difficult, that that's okay. It's okay to be difficult. Art sometimes moves the heart and, and challenges the mind. Second that I ask is just to celebrate the resiliency and the tenacity of those, the horrors of slavery and to then celebrate them in, in awe so that we can again lift up this incredible musical heritage, this incredible history uh, appropriately so. And then, uh, and then lastly, um, I just mentioned that we, we should pray for unity as well as that we shall overcome our, our pain and, uh, of the past and someday truly walk hand in hand. In many ways, that's the story of our concert because I'm opening up with a piece called Unity and I'm closing the program with um, We Shall Overcome and a beautiful arrangement by Tom Trenning for the course. So I, I hope that we have that arc that we're able to create a space where we could be true, authentic to the music, be expressive, and then to have, to express some hope for us. And for our community, for our world, we need it right now. We always know that it is that sense in which you do your music, you've dedicated yourself to music, the life of music, because you believe that. I truly believe that. I, I think that when we are more real, more authentic, with talking about the experiences of going on in our world today that I love then find the challenge for me is what can speak to that musically that I could create a program with. And, you know, it wasn't my intent, but how relevant this is right now, especially with what's going on in Israel. And, and I think that the stars aligned and things work in mysterious ways, but I, I in many ways brought this concert because I wanted the chorale to have a unique, different experience of singing this repertoire, but not knowing that the impact of this is so uh, relative. And, you know, as I said, things work in mysterious ways, but um, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm grateful to share this truly incredible art form of spirituals in a unique way that I think I could bring to this community. So the performances for Arcadia Kral are this weekend. Uh, the title of the program is called Spirituals in Concert. 
We will be on Saturday, October 14th at Covenant Presbyterian Church. And also uh, we are on Sunday at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Wilkes-Barre. And that performance is at 3 p.m. We are highlighting many singers from the Arcadia Chorale. I have four individuals from the chorale who are doing solo sets of doing just solos of spirituals. Catherine Carter, as well as Lauren Picotti, Jesse Dunaway, who's a new baritone to the area, and also Rebecca Elfman will be doing um, some solos. And then throughout the program, because this is not just about choral singing, but leaders and the chorus, I have many individuals from the crowd singing solos throughout the whole program. Matthew Rupsich, music director and conductor of the Arcadia Chorale, speaking with us about this weekend's program, Spirituals in Concert, to be presented Saturday, tomorrow evening at 7.30 at Covenant Presbyterian Church, Madison Avenue in Scranton, and then Sunday, October 15th, this Sunday afternoon at 3 at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Wilkes-Barre, 35 South Franklin Street. The Arcadia Chorale presenting spirituals in concert tomorrow evening at 7.30 at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Scranton and Sunday afternoon at 3 at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in downtown Wilkes-Barre. For more information on the web, arcadiachorale.org, arcadiachorale.org. <laughs>